Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Good, Bad, and Ugly of Business. I'm your host, Katrin Becker. In this podcast, we love to learn from other people because we believe that while a smart person learns from their mistakes, a genius learns from others. So we bring together industry experts from all different walks of life, different fields, different professions, so that we can learn what they have learned. And then maybe we can avoid those mistakes or we can fail faster and get through it based on the information we learn from them. My guest today is an incredible woman. She has been at a at Salesforce, which is a huge company, her whole career. And I love that fact. And I want to know more about what has made her stay with Salesforce. How has her journey been in tech as being a woman? So many amazing things to mine here. And I think you are going to love her just as much as I do. Ashley Snyder, welcome to the show. Thanks, Catherine. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh my goodness. I We've been talking before this and uh, there's so much to, to discuss here. So I think the first thing is you've been at Salesforce your entire career, more than 10 years. That's kind of unheard these days. So I, I would love to hear from your words on what that's been like. Have you thought about going someplace else or what keeps you staying and keeps you happy? Yeah, definitely. I think to your point, very rare nowadays where people are kind of jumping two or three years and finding different paths. Um, I started 11 years ago as an intern at the company. So right after college and you won't believe this, but I promise you it's true. I have it written down. My goal was I'm going to be here 10 years from now. And I don't know what made me say that, but it was just like a goal I had had. Um, And I'll kind of give you the backstory. I didn't know about Salesforce before I joined. I had always wanted to be in tech. I grew up in the Bay Area, grew up in Silicon Valley, grew up kind of around that time. Um, And I had always wanted to do something. So graduating college, I learned about Salesforce, interviewed and got this internship on a pilot team. Um, And that kind of sparked, I'll say, the entrepreneur motion for me. But every role I had from that was gaining more experience and then learning to master the role or learn the skills within the role and then continue that motion of climbing the ladder. Um, And I've had a few different, I'll say like vantage points or different types of roles within the company, which is, which is why it's kept me there. Right. I mean, you talk about an amazing company we've seen growth. When I started, we had 7,000 employees. I think we're around 80,000 now. Um, Really? Wow. I know. So it's, I've seen the growth and I think um, we'll probably talk a little bit more about this, but I, I didn't start this way. I treated it as like, this is my job. Here's my role. Let me just get really good at the role. And then for me, it became, I work at Salesforce. Like, let me learn what Mark and the team are doing. Like, how do we acquire different companies? Why are processes this way? How did we become a fortune 100 company? So I look at it where I'm, yes, and I'm, I'm, I'm an employee, but I'm kind of studying the business within it too. Well, and what amazing access you have to be able to study it from the inside. Yes. Incredible experience. (laughs) So can you share just a little bit about what your functions have been? I mean, you mentioned entrepreneur and we're so used to talking about being, you know, entrepreneurs. So a little bit about kind of what your role is and and how you see yourself in that entrepreneur space. Sure. Um, I started out more on the sales side. So I was doing kind of our inbound and outbound sales motions, cold calling, building those fundamental sales skills. Uh, so when leads were coming in off the website or we had, you know, cold new logo territories to go after, I learned how do you prospect? How do you win a customer? How do you like set a meeting? How do you qualify them? How do you get them through the sales funnel and through the sales cycle? 
Um, from that became an account executive, both I did new logos. So we identify those as, you know, someone not using Salesforce yet in our enterprise space. Um, it taught me a lot. I was, we called ourselves hunters, right? So we're going after, <laughs> we're trying to find like new business and I, I gamified it. Some people hate it and I get that, right? Some people want install accounts or using it and you're just upselling or cross-selling. I loved the game of you're not using us. I'm going to like read your 10 K and I'm going to, I always say, I'm like, I nerd out on finding information and I'm going to get you to have a meeting with me. Um, so I did that my first year as an account executive, which was also a, a pilot team within the company. Um, and then after a couple of years as an account executive, I was actually tapped by one of our executives to build our brand sponsorships team. So think sponsorships, we had partners um, who would sponsor our events or things within the company that we were working on. The new revenue stream was from our brands or our customers. So I worked with companies like American Express, um, T-Mobile, Alaska Airlines, and would build out these sponsorship packages for Dreamforce is our biggest event that we host. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was Dreamforce, other events within, and actually ended up then moving to Australia. Amazing opportunity, but right, oh before, my goodness. right before the world shut down. So it was perfect timing. Um, and then now from that, now back in kind of the sales motion, leading a sales team. So different vantage points within the company, but kind of every different role has brought me new experience that I've applied to, to each role. I love that you broke down the sales process and it's something that we haven't really delved into yet on one of these episodes. And I think it's important because, you know, sales is applicable to anybody in any space, because even if you're not selling a specific service or product, you are selling yourself in so many of of the avenues. So they must've had a great training program through Salesforce. I assume this is not something you had learned um, in school that you brought across. Can you walk through, walk us through that? Sure. Um, yeah. Amazing training program, I'll say. And there's, there's clearly a method to the madness. I always tell, I lead the team that I was once in the role for. So I always tell them, I'm like, you're building small kind of fundamental skills of, let's say an inbound lead is coming in, right? That means that person's a warmer, there's some warm interest there. Um, they were either looking at something on the website, they've done some discovery themselves, and now you're somewhat qualifying, what were they interested in? Um, initially, we we make it so that our, I'll say our starting positions within sales, you're not the one actually closing the deal, but you're doing that first part of the funnel where you're qualifying, gathering information, um, and then converting that over to one of our account executives who's going to take it down to the finish line and hopefully close that deal. So they there is a, a good I'll say a good process or a rhythm. We have a team that collects inbound leads and follows up on them. And then we have an outbound team who's more of the business development motion. They have a territory, they're prospecting, they're finding either new or add-on business. Um, And then the next role that you would get promoted to is an account executive. Now you're the one with the account, you're closing that deal. Did you have any sales experience prior to this? Because there's so many people and I've heard this time and time again of, oh, I don't, I can't sell. I don't know how to sell. It's really intimidating for a lot of people. Um, no, I did not. And I was one of those people. I said, <laughs> I'm, I said, I'm never going into sales. I'm the person that's like, I'm sorry for bothering you. You know, sorry <laughs> to take your time. Um, I actually had a professor in college who told me, you're going into sales. And I was like, no, I'm not. I promise you I'm not. That's not, that's not what I want to do. Um, and funny enough, here I am. Here you are. Yeah. 
I think for those people though, what I've learned and I have reps on my team who say that, right. They're like, Ash, I don't think sales is for me, but I wanted to learn because everything involves sales. Um, I laugh because I mean, I was that person. So I kind of put myself in their shoes, but I had a, I've had amazing leaders. Let me start there. Um, but I had one in particular who's, who told me find your own sales voice. So I think I sell very differently than in my head. I was thinking, I don't want to be the car salesman, right. right. You know, the right. bad connotation to sales. Um, and she goes, Ashley, the, you're, and I don't, I still kind of forget this sometimes, but I hear her in my head saying this, she goes, your number one skill is you build rapport with someone in a matter of seconds. And that's hard to do over the phone in the zoom world we live in too. It's hard to do over, a, you know, a phone call, a zoom call, um, sometimes even in person, but she goes, you can capture that now just turn that into the next step. Right. So you're, you're building the rapport, move them down the funnel and out close the deal. So it, that helped me where I was, I just have a different sales style. Um, but it works for me and it doesn't have to work for everyone else. Well, and thank goodness you had a good manager who could clearly explain that to you in a way that you could take, because especially in today's age, people talk about authenticity so much, but I feel like the people who are talking about authenticity are looking and dressing exactly like the other person in the next TikTok who's talking about authenticity. And it's like, authenticity is not a hat <laughs> that you wear or a certain top or, or any of that. And it's, it's so much about finding your voice, um, and, and letting go. Cause I think of it in terms of, you know, the things that we don't like about ourselves and how that holds us back from being able to be the true version of ourselves. And it sounds like that's something that you either dealt with really quickly, or maybe it wasn't as big of a factor for you. Is that anything resonating at all? I think I've gone back and forth throughout my life. I, I feel like I have been somewhat authentic to myself throughout. Like I always tell people, it's not, you don't get work, Ashley, and personal Ashley. I just am just Ashley. Are. There's just different dials probably. Like I am, I'm more, um, introverted. And when I tell people that everyone's like, no, you're not, you know what I mean? Like you're in sales, you talk to everyone. And I say, yeah, because I know I just have to turn up the dial in certain situations where I know I'm leading a team. They all need me. They all depend on me. Or I know I'm showing up for a customer event. I need to like make sure that I'm on for that, but you're not getting a fake version of me. Um, I heard this quote one. I'm a big quote person, but I heard a quote one time that was, don't, don't change yourself so that people will like you stay true to who you are and the right people will love you. Mm -hmm. uh, and I like how you said that, right. You know, authenticity, you're not putting on a hat. It's not like, okay, I'm showing up as actually this version today. Yeah. Um, I've just tried and I, I grew up that way too, right. It was just be yourself and don't kind of let people steer you or make you something into to who you're not. And you've got a great social media. I mean, you post really great stuff on, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on all the different channels. And, uh, they always, they always speak from the heart. And I think people really can feel that because there's, there's a ton of engagement, but it's because of how you speak and how you say that. And that leads me into a post that you had done a little while ago, where you put a picture of yourself in, playing basketball. And so you've played basketball for many, many years. How do you think being in that sport? Because, you know, I played soccer. So when there was on soccer, there's 11 people on the field, right? In basketball, there's only five. And yes, you have your roles within the team, but it's a lot quicker 
moving through the field. Do you think basketball has really helped you in to navigate in your career? I do. Um, and it's funny that you say that too, because I feel like a lot of people in sales are in sort of that competitive environment. We're all former athletes in some form or fashion, right? They like the team motion. They're competitive. Um, they're probably most competitive with themselves, to be honest. Yep. <laughs> but I, I do. I think the team motion or the, I'll say basketball definitely helped me. I was captain of my basketball team in high school. And I always say, I've actually used this example recently was I'm sort of the the middleman, whether that's a good or a bad thing, I don't always know, but I think people trust me. So I can, I'm, how do I want to describe this to you? I'm kind of the chameleon, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people feel one, they can trust me or two, I adapt and I'm a good listener to different types of people. So I had half my team hated the other half of my team, but they all came to me with the problems. And then coaches didn't like certain players and those certain players didn't like the coaches. I was just the middle person. Um, I like to think of it as like the conduit, right? Yeah. Like you're, you're just, you're just the conduit in which they, they come to it. You know, the, you're the liaison. Yes. And I, but I think it's funny because now I look back and I see these patterns where same thing in the corporate world and same thing amongst different teams and organizations I've been a part of is I, I kind of get the buy-in or I'll say the trust of different types of people. And then I listen or I understand and I can kind of mold myself to different feedback of that. But yeah, sports, I think being in the team motion, the competitive nature of it, um, I think I'm still the same way of like, shoot, I could have done this better. Or we could have improved this and we could have made this happen faster. Um, still comes from the basketball days. And in that vein, you can't dwell on it. All you can do is do better the next time. Yep. Next game, next, next competition, next opponent, keep going. Yeah. You just, you just adapt if reflect and then move forward. And mm -hmm. so often I think we get stuck in the looking at it and getting hard on ourselves instead of saying, okay, this happened means nothing about me personally. <laughs> How do I move through this? It's so true. And I think, I mean, I'm my own harsh, harshest critic, but I think too, I can remember, I could tell you about the games we lost or the moments where I didn't make a shot, right? Those stand out to me more than the wins. I'm kind of like, okay, cool. We won. That's what we were supposed to do. We were a right. good team. Was supposed to win. Um, I always, I always remember the the not so great moments. But then, to your point, don't dwell on it. How did you get better? Move on from it. So let's move into. You mentioned at the beginning that you always wanted to be in tech. What about tech drew you to it, and and where do you see yourself going? Is it still in tech? Good question. I think just because I grew up using it, I was probably one of the the earlier generations where tech was just a part of it, right? I remember getting my first laptop, my first cell phone in the early days and probably teaching my parents some of the things on it. <laughs> um, now I'm feeling older as the new generation's even coming in faster, but I, I just grew up around tech. I think again, being, I grew up in the Bay Area and uh, around these companies. Um, uh, I'll say a special quick story I'll share with you in college. I think this is another example of Ashley didn't do what everyone else was doing. But in college, we had Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple, come. Um, and I nerded out as I do. And I was like, you guys, Steve's coming. Like, we got to go see Woz. We have to, like, hear his speech and um, <laughs> just hear what he has to say and, like, share his story. And I was probably, I don't know, 19, 20 years old. No one wanted to come with me, Catherine. Like, I mean, really? I would. Oh, yeah. I went by myself. And I'm like, you guys, it's Woz. So I go, I go to the amphitheater, 
sat in there, listened to them. I mean, there were other people, but yeah, no yeah, yeah. <laughs> what went with me. Um, so I listened to him and he said, I'm actually going to stay a little bit behind after if you want to meet me or, you know, take a picture, ask questions, things of that nature. So I stayed and I, I kid you not, I still remember standing in line by myself. I FaceTimed my mom and I'm like, mom, I'm waiting in line. I'm going to meet what I'm going to meet was. Um, <laughs> and I talked to him my, my, that year I had done a project where we had to build, it was kind of an entrepreneur class. I don't remember the exact name of it, but I had built basically a cloud company, um, where your music, your pictures, like all of your information was sitting in the cloud and you had one login, one access. So I looking back, it's still funny to me. I, I didn't know what Salesforce was at the time. I know. I'm like, no one really knew what the cloud. <laughs> foreshadowing. I mean, it was out there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking credit, but it, just thinking about it. And so I was telling Steve this and I said, I've always, I've admired you and Steve Jobs and like, I've always wanted to work in tech. And he goes, you will, you will one day. Like I hope we can work together. Um, and then fast forward, I ended up at Salesforce. Do I think I'll always stay in tech? Probably in some form or fashion. I look at you know, tech's never going away. Different technologies are coming out. Different companies are existing. But um, what does that look like in the future? I I don't know yet. We'll find out. Well, and who knows what any of it's going to look like. I mean, I had uh, one guest on who's in cybersecurity, and uh, you know, he's his prediction was with the large language models. You know, the ChatGPT and the 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 significant advances in AI that's been occurring that. Mm-hmm you know, any new technology always has a balance between the job creation and job loss. And he feels there's going to be a huge gap between the job creation catches up to all the jobs that are lost. Is this something that you're seeing or what do you think will be kind of the future of of how AI will shape our lives? Good question. I think um, we're we're playing around with it right now. We're launching a bunch of things with AI at Salesforce. And then within my own sales team, we're talking about, you know, do you use chat GPT, or do you use other kind of resources to help you write emails or collect information? I laugh, I was telling you earlier, um, I would read a 10K report. And that's how I went after certain prospects is because I studied their 10K, I would learn what their goals and initiatives were. And then I would craft some email to, to reach out to their president or some sort of executive. Now that's all done in, you know, minutes, because I can right. plug it in. If I'm an advisor to this company and I want to talk to them about, you know, growing results within the company, what should I email them about? And it does it all for you. Um, I am still a big believer and probably very, my, my joke, Catherine, is that I'm like 85 year old at heart. I'm very old school in every form and sense. I'm not a millennial, Um, but I say like, use it. it. It's helping you enhance things or make things probably more efficient and faster use your brain still too. Like I'm a big believer in like, use your brain, have some curiosity, still add the, the authentic approach. Um, but I think it's going to help a lot of things probably improve some processes and make things that we've seen for hundreds of years, just be more efficient. Yeah. I had another guest on who's a publisher and we were just talking about books and like books are still around, you know, we had Kindles come out all the different e-readers and yet there's still something so satisfying about opening up a book for the first time. Well, you guilty. I still read. I've never had a Kindle. I've never read on anything else. I, I need the book in my hands. Same. I, I bought a Kindle and I put books in it and I took it on a plane and I was like, I mean, yeah, it takes up way less space than my carry on, but I'd rather just have the book. Same. Same. Old school. Old school. <laughs> uh, so sw- switching gears a little bit, you know, you and I have both been in male dominated fields. 
you know, I came from engineering and I was in manufacturing for many years where I was the only woman in the room. What is it like for you? And do you notice any sort of discrimination? Good question. I, um, I probably have a different perspective and I, maybe it's an unpopular opinion. I've never noticed it, noticed it. I've always been, I mean, I've noticed it in the terms of, okay, I'm maybe the only woman on the team or in this industry or whatnot. Um, but I've never noticed it where it's affected my performance or affected certain promotion paths. I'm a big believer in like, do get the results, right? If you're a person who's getting results and you're doing your job, people notice, um, I've, I've leveraged it probably a little without knowing subconsciously where it's like, okay, I am the only woman in the room. You need me in the room. Um, or, you know, way to stand out from the get go is like, okay, you're the only woman in the room. You have the advantage you stand out. Um, but I've never noticed it in terms of, I don't know, letting it affect me or trying to get a promotion or being a part of that team. I think too, I grew up by, again, connecting kind of the dots backwards. I grew up on a street. I was the only girl. So I grew up like out in the street playing sports with all the guys. And I grew up like hanging out. All my best friends were guy friends. Um, so I don't think it's ever phased me. Um, and it's probably taken me into the more male dominated fields as well. That's such an interesting perspective. And it's so amazing how, I mean, I a hundred percent believe that each and every single person is unique and individual. And yes, there are things that we have in common, but, um, you know, I ask this question a lot because it is something that has significantly affected many, many women. Um, mm-hmm. so I love to hear that your perspective on it, that it's kind of just been like a, Oh, what? Wait, huh? Never noticed, which is interesting because you are a beautiful woman. Thank you. <laughs> and I know that, that you don't present yourself that way or try to use that, but for some people that becomes something too, that they won, that they wonder in the back of their minds, like, did I get this promotion because I look the way that I look, or is it because of the results that I get? Um, and so it's hard for women, I think. hundred percent. Well, and I think too, I mean, one, thank you for saying that. I do appreciate it. Um, I always think both sides, right? I think everyone has advantages and everyone has disadvantages. No one has more so than the other. It's just, what do you have? Work with it, leverage it. And then my big thing though, is make sure you have the results to back up who you are, right? If it's okay, you're a beautiful person, but you don't know how to sell or you don't know how to deliver. You don't know how to close deals. Okay. Now I get why you're maybe getting hired for that reason. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I'm, I'm just a big believer in just go, go get the results and be the person and leverage whatever advantages you have. Cause we all have different advantages. That's to your point. We're all different. We're all the different, I say it's a puzzle piece, right? No one, whenever I'm hiring a team, I don't look, look for co- cookie cutter people. And I don't say everyone has to be a mini Ashley. I look for a team where it's great. We have some people who are really strong on the phone. We have some people who are really good writing emails. We have some people who are really good at researching we need all of that because that's what's going to make the team. And then you learn whatever you're not good at. You learn from your peers and build kind of build those strengths together. Oh, absolutely. It's so silly, but <laughs> I have chickens and I love to have chicken breeds that all lay different color eggs because I, I find it so much more interesting and appealing to look at when it sits on my counter, when it's all these different shades than if it's all one color of egg. I love that. I've been, um, 
you've met me in person. Maybe the listeners haven't. I am tall. So I naturally have stood out my entire life. I think I was the tallest, not just woman, but person in my preschool, kindergarten, all the way up through fifth grade class. Um, but my, my mom would always tell me this and she'd be like, why blend in when you were born to stand out? And I was like, I literally born to stand out because I'm giant and tall from the get go. So I love your sweet mama. Your sweet mama. I had a, one of my best friend in elementary school was the tallest person in the, in the school. And I moved after fifth grade. And so we lost touch. We were in different school districts and I happened to run into her at a restaurant when we were in our twenties and I was taller than her. It's like, she stopped growing in fifth grade and it was the biggest mental shift for me that I was like, I, I don't have a frame of reference for this. Like, this is not possible, but you did keep growing. I, I, yes, I did. I stopped. Well, when I tell you this though, I stopped, I think 13 or 14 years old. So I have been this tall ever since, which puts into perspective for oh my you. Goodness. Yeah. Literally stood out. <laughs> literally, literally, literally stood out. <laughs> well, as we're kind of coming to a close and wrapping things up, I mean, this is the good, bad and ugly of business. Uh, I feel like we've covered a lot of good. And I think things that could have been bad, your amazing viewpoint on life has really shown how you reflect it back into being good. But is there anything that stands out to you in terms of your career, what you've experienced that has been kind of on the uglier side and things that other people can learn from on how they can um, avoid or overcome similar situations? Sure. Um, I do think you're always going to get somewhat of the the positive spin from me. That's just my personality. But I, I heard this, I can't remember where or when I heard it, but it was nothing happens um, to you. Everything happens because of you. So if you look mm. at it and that it just shifted my mindset where it's okay, you're late. Yes. Because, or you're stuck in traffic. Yes. Because you left late, right? You could have left earlier. So can you control the traffic? No, but you could have controlled leaving earlier. Or maybe you get there earlier than expected because you wanted to miss the traffic. Um, I think of it, if I've ever gotten maybe passed or delayed on for a promotion or a role I really wanted, I look at it as, and I don't know, every, I do believe everything happens for a reason, whether you know it in that moment or you know it six months from now or 10 years from now. Um, I'll give you, here I am again with quotes and we'll go back to Steve Jobs, but he has this one where it's, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. And I truly believe that, right? It's 100%. And 10 years ago, do I think I would have still been at Salesforce? I don't know, but I, I did put that goal in. Um, I always tell people, everyone's like, what are you going to do in two or three or five years? I think I have goals, but I always am open to that shifting because I don't know what's next. So every time maybe I've thought I wanted a role or I thought I wanted a different job, or I thought I missed out on an opportunity, I I look at as what one, what could I have done differently, right? That, that's in my control. Could I have networked sooner? Could I have met different people? Could I have had better results in some form or fashion? But then I also look at as wasn't the right fit because if it was, it, it would have worked. Would yeah. happened. Yeah. I, you and I are cut from very similar cloth in, in so many ways. I use that Steve Jobs quote all the time. It, there's something about like, I don't think everyone has the same level of pattern recognition. <laughs> you know, no. they truly cannot see it. And I'm like, but it's like, that's beautiful. Like, of course, this led to this, that led to that. You know, it, and it's not as obvious for other people, which no, I'm, I'm telling my team right now, this is top of mind for me is a lot of the role they're in is 
I'll say tedious, right? They're doing a lot of the grind work of cold calling and getting the phone yelled, you know, yelled out on the phone or phone slammed on them. And it's, um, I'm trying to instill in them, like it's a year, year and a half of your life. But if you master these fundamentals, it was eight years ago for me that I was in the role there and now. And so I'm like, I'm still using a lot of the skills. I'll reach out to people. You talked about LinkedIn earlier. If I hear someone on a podcast, for example, I don't reach out the same way that everyone else does. I have I have that authentic approach. I do the research. I put in something that's meaningful for them and I get responses, but they're all skills I learned eight, 10, 11 years ago. So I'm always, I'm just a big believer of master the fundamentals because once you master them, even a terrible experience, now you're going to have that reference point later down the road of, okay, here's what happened. Here's how I handled it. And if you handled it well, do it again. If you didn't handle it well, now you know how not to handle it. So you're basically the Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> sure. I'll take that. <laughs> I mean, cause that's exactly what Mr. Miyagi taught Daniel Sun and the Karate Kid. Like ah. you're doing these behaviors, getting this muscle memory so that you've got the skill and yes, it sucks in the moment. Oh, sure does. Well, and it's, here's my other thing and I'll, I'll be short on this, but I always say like, it never gets easier right? Everyone thinks like, oh, I'm going to get promoted and the next job's going to be easier. I'm done with the grind. It's like, it never gets easier. My job is to make you better so that you can handle the harder. And then the next role, you're going to handle that harder more. It never gets easier. You just get better. Yeah. It's just a different grind because you need different skill sets. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think back to, so I've got two kids in elementary, one's in elementary school and one just started junior high. And it's a huge jump going from elementary school to junior high. And then it's a big jump going from, you know, then you master it, right? By the three years or however many years your junior high is, you're like, okay, I got this junior high thing down. And then, oh, hey, guess what, guys? It's time to go to high school where you need to learn a whole different set. And the same thing with college and then going to into work for um, yourself, work for somewhere else, whatever. But it's just exactly as you said, you just keep getting better. And all of it helps to propel you towards that and to discovering and living your fullness and bringing it back to authenticity. Um, it's just part of the process. Sure is. It sure is. Someone gave me this analogy too, where it's like, if you're going hiking, for example, and you're like, okay, my mission is to get to that next mountain. You climb the mountain. It's probably a grind to get up to the mountain. You reach the peak. And then all of a sudden you realize, shoot, there's a bigger mountain over there. We just didn't see it because we were you know, behind over here. So then what do you have to do? You have to come back down to go back up. And I always think that mindset, right? It's like, once you reach the top of something, you're saying elementary school and you reached fifth grade. Great. You're going on to the next. Yeah. Oh, I'm at the bottom again. Now I'm in eighth grade. Oh, got to go to the bottom to get to high school and to college or into a promotion path. It's, it's always the same. It's just, I don't know. I'm a big perspective person's perspective. It's everything you're taking along with you and learning you now are bringing with you into the next role or the next career path. So it all works and out. And I think the lesson there is you have a choice in which perspective you choose. It's a lens in which you choose to filter. Always. Mm -hmm. So if you're not happy, if you're listening to this, you're not quite happy with where you are right now. Like take this as your moment to look around and say, okay, what can I, what do I have control over? What can I choose differently? Because it's all a choice. Love that. Oh, Gosh, I am so glad we had this time. I mean, even though we've met in person several times, we've never gotten to go into these sort of like deep conversations. And I just love the space that being in an interview like this allows these kind of deeper conversations that 
would it normally have in just a, you know, break during a seminar? <laughs> no, me too. This was, this was great. Thank you so much again for having me. I appreciate it. So typically at this point, I would ask people like, you know, how can people work with you and reach out with you? And it's a little different because we haven't had someone who's been in the corporate space like this, but surely there's different ways to work with you. So please tell the people. Yes. Um, I would say, well, you brought this up. I'm a big LinkedIn person, probably from being in the corporate world. I love LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect with anyone on Instagram, LinkedIn, however you want to find me. Um, I will say too, if anyone needs help with sales or coaching teams or things of that nature. I love to learn new practices, but also share what's worked for me. So happy to chat with anyone. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here again. It has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. And to the listeners, thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your network. If there is an industry or a profession that you are curious about, please make sure to reach out and I will do my research to find the very best guest for you to get all of your questions answered. Until next time, everyone, have a great day.